Hey guys, it's John. Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. This is a retrospective from two 1987 vampire classics, The Lost Boys and Near Dark. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. They caught a shark, not the shark. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. We're tonight's entertainment. Get some serious gourmet. Shoot! I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I lose you. You're gonna do something or just stand there and bleed. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Here's Johnny! Amongst the heap of horror films being produced in the 1980s, some were underground, while few went mainstream. There was indeed a fair helping of entries that were received well, regardless of their distributing power. These films are now classics and grace any top horror movie list. Some of these icons include The Shining, The Evil Dead, Aliens, The Thing, and Poltergeist. But there are a pair of films that not only make these lists year after year, but also in retrospect fully complement each other. Not to mention they were both released in the same calendar year, 1987. These films are Joel Schumacher's The Lost Boys and, from first time director, Catherine Bigelow, Near Dark. These are two stories about vampires and family. Though on the surface they may have many differences, they also share a wealth of similarities. The Lost Boys is, by all accounts, very mainstream, which allowed it to easily eclipse Near Dark. There is other statistical mumbo-jumbo I could get into, such as box office figures, VHS rentals, and just star power in general. After all, Boys had both Corys, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, in its casting ranks, each having incredible drawing power in their prime in the mid-80s, but you know, most of these metrics are kind of boring. Though in fairness, Near Dark had a crop of popular James Cameron veterans fresh off of making Aliens in its billing, but more on that cast later. The juicy bits that bear revealing and remembering are the similar themes of family, the ethical implications of their characters, and the stark yet fun differences between each film that ultimately make them so revered after all this time. As we know, the vampire, as a creature of lore, typically prowls the night like a lone wolf, preying on its next victim. They may have a watchdog during the day, and the Lost Boys, one vampire, has a literal dog for this purpose, but that's usually it. In these two films, there's instead a pack mentality afoot. Near Dark showcases Jesse, played by Lance Henriksen, and his gang scrounging nightly for food and shelter. The Lost Boys, a literal tribe fully earning their namesake, dwell in a seaside cave and prey on beach tourists during the evening. Each sect has their leader and a hierarchy, an understanding of purpose, food, safety, you know, black leather jackets in some cases, and a respect for teamwork. But it's not just the family of vampires that round out this point. In Near Dark, Caleb, our hero, played by Adrian Pazdar, has a stern but caring father and a precocious sister who both turn the Midwest upside down, searching for 
Caleb after he gets whisked away by the vampire May, played by Jenny Wright, and into the arms of her cadre. It might be plot convenience, but Near Dark also provides us with the first on-screen blood transfusion to serve as an antidote for vampirism. Caleb's dad deserves a medal for his efforts. In The Lost Boys, Sam, played by Corey Haim, and older brother Michael, played by Jason Patrick, move to, quote, murder capital of the world, Santa Carla, with their recently divorced mother, Lucy, played by Diane Wiest. They all want a fresh start, and maybe this beach town is the golden ticket. Both of these families are broken, but their love for each other is genuine and sincere. In each story, a member of the family gets pulled into the film's pack of bloodsuckers. Michael inadvertently drinks the blood of David, played wonderfully by the super charming Kiefer Sutherland, the apparent alpha of The Lost Boys. This initiates Michael's transformation into a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Whereas Caleb gets drawn in by the short-haired Petite May, he has no ambition to join a club or to fit in somewhere else. Regardless, both Michael and Caleb nearly cross a line that neither of them particularly asked for. In both instances, the importance of their real families gets challenged as everything they know gets pulled from them overnight. Trading in one family for another is one issue among many across both films. It's one thing to pack up and move out of your mom's house, but that isn't the situation that either men face. I know, I know, what is the expectation of ethics among vampires? It seems like a silly prompt when asked out loud, but to be fair, vampires are very charismatic creatures. Being seductive and sexy can be very influential, and that's kind of how they roll. But the problem remains when it comes to ethics. May transforms Caleb without his consent. The same goes for Michael and David. While this is very commonplace for many vampire flicks, it still does cross the ethical boundary. This point was made extremely well in a vampire podcast by host Rose Sinister. She dives way deeper into this in her episode about Near Dark. I highly recommend giving it a listen. In turn, Caleb's father returns May to human form at the end of Near Dark without having her consent either. The Frog Brothers in The Lost Boys are ready to ice a little boy for being a vampire, knowing full well there was a way to return him to human form. But then again, their solution to problems is seemingly always death. You know, kill your brother, you'll feel better. So what does all this heavy talk mean? Both films address two very precarious paths for our protagonists. Both of them are pulled into a world they have no idea how to walk through. May picks Caleb and David selects Michael. The biggest ethical slip-up is that both clans of vampires falsely give an illusion of choice. In Near Dark, Jesse, with dubious support from Severin, the late Bill Paxton, and Diamondback, played by Jeanette Goldstein, keeps telling Caleb he has a choice to make. You might remember that great trio of actors being in Aliens just a year prior to Near Dark's release. In The Lost Boys, David and company corner Michael the same way. Both of these young men need to, quote, make a kill to be fully initiated. The problem with that, they're already in the club. Since Caleb and Michael both harbor humanity still, their personal ethics forbid them from crossing that line. This costs them respect and trust from their new family, not to mention by not killing others, they themselves in turn begin to die. 
Like it or not, despite the illusion of choice given before them, these guys are vampires already. The best bits about both of these films are the fun, signature features that separate them, not just from each other, but from the rest. Near Dark isn't your typical vampire yarn. It is a set piece reminiscent of a western. It has a strong rustic and rural feel. This contrasts dramatically with The Lost Boys. The latter has all the trappings of the 1980s, and many conventional vampire tenets. The rules of having to be invited in, reflections in the mirror, or not having them rather, stakes through the heart, and holy water are all threaded throughout The Lost Boys. This playful nature ties into vast amounts of humor, which is the one flavor that is very underserved in Near Dark. And it follows. You can scour the dialogue of Near Dark end to end and not once hear the word vampire. This movie doesn't provide fangs or coffins. These vamps aren't clean or pretty. They're dirty and grungy. There is one stark 80s staple that will forever cement Near Dark with the decade it was released in and that is this dense synth pop score sweeping over the opening credits, which is ramped up to a million when played over arguably the best barroom scene in horror cinema history. One might say that this scene is finger-licking good. In contrast, The Lost Boys has an incredible soundtrack with hits such as Walk This Way, which plays during a pivotal scene of Michael's arc, and the ever-present Cry Little Sister, which will have you humming its chorus on repeat for hours. Also, who can forget the oiled up ripped sax player Tim Capello crying out, I still believe, in one of the opening scenes. Narratively speaking, Near Dark is pretty straightforward with his climax. The Lost Boys, however, presents a well set up twist that pulls out the rug from under the virgin viewer's eyes when video store owner and dork extraordinaire Max, played by Edward Herman, is revealed to be the real alpha of the pack. The duality and connection of these films has grown in popularity over the years, but while the mainstream success of The Lost Boys has granted it sequels and ripoffs, it's the cult following that has kept gas in the tank of Near Dark. Make no mistake, you can pull either film off the shelf and have an amazing experience. Both entries boast amazing characters, rich storytelling, and some pretty awesome vampire executions. In the pantheon of horror films, 80s films, and vampire films in general, both of these movies are required viewing. They set a benchmark for what tasty cinema looks like without being too scary or too serious. Their complementary nature makes them a dynamic double feature any time of the year. Alright guys, well that wraps up my retrospective. Pretty short and sweet. Thanks for stopping by and checking it out. This retrospective, as well as my Fright Night retrospective, were both originally published in print over at crprights.com. The editor, Connor, granted me permission to record them here, so thanks again to Connor for being so flexible. 2020 isn't over yet, and I have a few more things to give to everyone before we tap into 2021. I want to thank everyone for listening this year and for hanging out with me and enjoying the work I do. I really appreciate it. So I have a few more things on the burner ready to release for everyone. So hang tight, be patient, and it'll be out shortly. So thanks for giving blood, sweat, and popcorn your time and your love. My name is John, and I truly appreciate it. And until next time, take care, guys. Mm-hmm.